The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Good morning. I'm Gary, one of the pastors here. We're delighted to have you with us. And if you're visiting, we especially welcome you. You can find information about who we are out in the newcomers area uh, through those doors behind you. So we welcome you here at TBC today. Uh, starting next week, we have kiddos coming back, and we also have an 815 service that resumes. So pray for our worship team. They get to start real early on Sunday mornings, as well as those of us who are preaching. So uh, m- many of you have stepped up and are helping out in children's ministry. We have about 400 kids from nursery through fourth grade only. So uh, we can use help to fill in some of those areas. Uh, but more than fill in, it's a great opportunity to impact young lives for Jesus. And so our prayer is that you'll take advantage of that opportunity as it makes itself available to you. So that's there. Maybe the next slide is Habakkuk. This has been our family slide for a number of months. Maybe it's one before that, Terry. There we go. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit in the vines, or the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, or the flock should be cut off from the fold. And there'd be no cattle in the stalls. We're still going to exalt in the Lord and rejoice in the God of our salvation. So that's been our prayer for the last six years. I'm a little short of breath, as you can tell. Uh, I have a number of things going on right now. MRI this week was not real favorable. So continue to pray. We continue to press into him and continue to see what's next out there for us as we continue to follow the Savior. So pray that uh, as we do these things that will honor him. And this is really our prayer. We want to exalt him to the end whenever that is. So. We appreciate you guys continuing to pray for that. And I'll slow down so I can catch more breath. How's that? So we're going to do that. Um, This is the end of our Proverbs study. I hope you've been encouraged, enriched, and challenged by the summer months. Uh, I've appreciated each one of our young guys that have preached this summer. They've done a great job, haven't they? So we are grateful for those guys. And they're getting better and better. It made me envious, and so I decided the last message needs to be on envy. So uh, there we go. So open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we've said that's the key verse for all of Proverbs. We're going to fear him and be wise men and women. A wise man or woman in proverb is one who takes the scriptures and applies it to their life. So That's what we're going to talk about this morning in the area of envy. Let's pray. Father, as we open the word, would you teach us? As we look at the word, would you instruct us? As we uh, seek to live lives that uh, honor you, Lord Jesus, our desire is not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers. And so we thank you. We thank you for the high privilege of serving you, walking with you, and honoring you. And now would you take uh, preparation I've made and use it, Holy Spirit, to teach me and to teach your people so we might be different. In the name of Jesus, amen. One author writes these words, envy has a lot of nasty synonyms. Envy has a lot of nasty synonyms like jealousy, coveting, lust, and greed. It starts in our hearts as a seed, but it gets watered and fertilized by our own pride. Your best friend gets a promotion, their project gets funded, their research is the one that's published and we become a little jealous. Time goes on and your best friend fits beautifully in the dress that she wore 15 years ago. You're not gonna take the one you wore 15 years ago out of the closet no matter what. And we become envious, we become jealous. 
One of the things we envy, I googled up uh, top 10 things that make people envious. It's quite interesting, actually. Uh, the first one is a broad category called new, new things. Uh, new things like a new house, a new car, new clothes, new computer, that which is faster. Next thing was personality. We envy other people's personality. They can engage anyone in conversation. We get tongue-tied talking to ourselves at night. <laughs> I, I mean, envy. What is it that you envy? Uh, the next one was uh, we envy hair. I can understand that one. <laughs> I can understand that one. And uh, I mean, I do. I'm sure many of you are envious at my hair. So <laughs> that happens. Uh, we're envy, envious about the way that people travel, vacation, and go places. They went to Europe this summer. You went to Holland, Athens, and Paris and never left Texas. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, you had a great time. Never had to leave the state of Texas. Didn't need a passport, didn't have to buy a plane ticket. Um, we envy others' figures, physiques, or their looks. They have the metabolism of a hummingbird. I mean, they can eat whatever they want and they stay skinny as a rail. You gain three pounds walking by a bakery. <laughs> I, I mean, sometimes life doesn't seem fair, does it? And we become envious of that. I, I would say one of the things in the last 10 years for sure that has created uh, envy hunger, if you will, is social media. Social media. I, I mean, it's, everybody posts only the good things. You, you don't read somebody who went on vacation and said, well, day two was an absolute disaster. The kids fought all day, the hotel room wasn't ready, we all got sunburned, I wanted to strangle Mickey Mouse at Disney World before the day was over. Nobody writes that kind of stuff. For everybody, it's the greatest day that ever happened and everything is hunky-dory all the time in spite of the fact that it's not hunky-dory all the time. I, I, saw, uh, I saw this online, I decided I'd try it, so at the gym, uh, I put uh, water in this bottle. You ought to see. <laughs> you talk about get a lot of stairs. You put, one, you put water in one of those bottles, walk around the gym and lift weights, and uh, everybody looks at you rather enviously. <laughs> Envy. Envy. Let's talk about it for a few minutes. En Envy is deadly because it hurts you. Envy is deadly first and foremost because it hurts you. In fact, in Proverbs 14.30, uh, Solomon writes this. He says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. A heart at peace gives life to the body. When you've got shalom, that's the word for peace there. When, when you're at peace, you've got life in your body. Everything's okay in the world, and it should be. But when you have envy, Solomon says... It rots your bones. It's down to the core. We've got a saying. We say, uh, we use the expression, this is eating me up. Have you ever used that expression? This is eating me up. And that's what Solomon is saying. When you have envy, it's eating you up. It rots your very bones. And I was thinking this week, well, how does it rot our bones? Uh, there are a lot of examples of envy in the scriptures. In Genesis chapter 4, uh, Cain murders his brother Abel because Abel's sacrifice was accepted, Cain's was not. And the result of envy was murder. Uh, then you go on to Genesis 37 through 50. All those chapters, longest section in Genesis about any single character is about Joseph. And if you remember Joseph, he was the favored son, but he was the hated brother. He was the favored son, but he was the hated brother. 
His dad favored him, gave him the multicolored tunic. You remember that? And so he is the favored son, but that favor and prejudice towards him against his other brothers, that favoritism caused his brothers to hate him and they sold him into Egyptian slavery. And so we see that the the envy that those brothers had caused Joseph to be sold into slavery. Now, ultimately, in Genesis 50, it said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. But it was only after Joseph had suffered, been cast into prison, and a number of other things that happened to him that it turned out that way. Envy is deadly because it hurts you. It rots you to the bones. You know, one of the ways that envy rots us to the bone is caused to be bitter. Caused to be bitter. You've seen older, bitter people. You've seen them. I mean, haven't you seen? Don't raise your hand if they're sitting next to you. Okay? You've seen older, bitter people. I mean, they never smile. They look like they suck on lemons all day and they chase that down with dill pickles. I, I mean, it, it's just so sad. I mean, nothing in life brings them joy. There's never laughter, there's never humor, there's never any, I mean, it's just, and you've seen young people like that as well. Young people where their world is bad and getting worse, and so the result of that is they they become bitter. I've used this quote several times, I've used it twice in Proverbs already, bitterness is drinking poison expecting the other person to die. That's why envy rots us to the, rots to the bone. Because when we become envious, when we become bitter towards other people, this is what happens. This is what happens. We we drink poison. We think somebody else is going to die. We're envious of them, what they have or what they've done. Envy. It's a terrible thing. Jealousy. It's an awful thing. After a long illness, a lady died. She arrived at the gates of heaven. And while she was waiting for Peter to greet her, she looked through the gates and she saw this beautiful banqueting table. She saw friends of hers from the past. She saw this luscious meal and she could not wait to enter heaven. Finally, Peter came to the gates and, and she said, uh, what must I do to get in? And he said, you just have to spell one word. She, he said, the woman said, what's the word? He said, love. And she said, L-O-V-E. And he escorted her into heaven. By the way, this is fictitious, okay? You don't get to heaven by spelling words. You get to heaven through the blood of Christ. So about six years later, Peter comes to her and said, I need your help today. I've got some friends that are visiting and I want to go hang out with them. Would you mind guarding the gates for a few hours? And she said, I'd be happy to. I remember the first day I came and how exhilarating it was. And so she she goes to guard the gates of heaven. And the very first person that appears at the gate was her husband. And she looks out and she's got a big smile and he smiles at her. And she said, I'm surprised to see you here. How have you been? He said, oh, it's been wonderful. I, I, I'm doing great. It couldn't be better. Well, tell me about it. Well, you remember that beautiful young nurse that took care of you while you were ill? The woman shook her head. He said, well, I married her. And not long after that, I won the lottery. And we've got tens of millions of dollars. We've been traveling the world. We've been, I sold that little house that we lived in. I bought her a great big old mansion. We traveled the world. We were on vacation just today. We were skiing in Austria and uh, I lost control, and uh, when I did my skis, I, I went head over, head over heels, and I guess I must have broken my back, and here I am in the gates of heaven, and here you are to greet me. And he looked at her and said, what do I have to do again? She said, you just have to spell one word. And uh, he said, well, what's that word? And she said, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Thank you.
I couldn't spell Czechoslovakia using spell check. That's how far off I was all the time. Envy, jealousy, it rots us to the bones. It'll rot you to the bones. Look at what they have. Look at what they get to do. She's got a husband that'll pray with her. He's he's got a wife out watch her. She'll scratch his back. She'll put her arm around him. My wife is as cold as Antarctica in the wintertime. My kids are wild. Their kids are obedient. Their kids are in the dean's list. The only dean's list my kids have been on is when they get disciplined. Goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Envy is deadly because it hurts us. Envy is deadly, secondly, because it hurts other people. When we become envious, it impacts the community. It impacts our brothers and sisters. It impacts the people that you love. It impacts your family. It impacts the, the community of believers that you, that you are with in these smaller groups. It, when we become envious, it impacts the people around us, people we love, people we care for. In fact, uh, the way that Solomon puts it this way, he says, stone is heavy, sand is a burden. But a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Anger is cruel and fury is overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? You see, what Solomon is saying is that the behavior of other people, if you, if you carry a stone, it's indeed heavy. If you, if you carry sand, it is indeed a burden. But uh, it's nothing. It's nothing. Worse than any of that, it's an angry person. And worse than an angry person is a person with a temper. And worse than a person who's angry and with a temper is a person who's jealous. And so Solomon looks around and he says, hey, if you carry a stone, it's heavy. If, if you walk in sand, you ever try walking in sand? You ever try climbing a sand dune? We went to, on vacation, I don't know, four or five years ago, one summer. It was Lake Michigan. And uh, you have to cross these sand dunes to eventually see the lake. And uh, it's, it's somewhere outside of Mackinac Island is where we were. And so we're out there. So you've got, to, you've got to cross four or five of these tall sand dunes to see the lake. I never saw the lake. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but I never saw it. And it seemed like everyone was higher than the last one. And I mean, when you weigh 235 pounds, it's not meant to climb sand dunes, I'm going to tell you. And uh, coming down is even harder. In fact, watch this video of people coming down. This is actually in Michigan, coming down off of the sand dunes that are there. Got it, Terry? Here we go. thinking, who in their right mind does that stuff? I mean, who in their right mind does that stuff? He's saying stone is heavy, sand is a burden, but worse than that, worse than all that stuff is an angry person. Worse than an angry person is a person whose fury is overwhelming. They've got a temper. And worse than that is a jealous person. Always jealous about everything. Men who are jealous because their wives have friends. I'm so grateful for the women in Bev's life who sharpen her, who come alongside her and function as change agents, catalysts in her life spiritually. What a, what a blessing that is. And for men in my life who come alongside me and love me, care for me and sharpen me and challenge me, she's grateful for that. 
This doesn't mean you go out and you go with the guys five nights a week. It doesn't mean you go hang out with the gals, get in Manny Petty's four times a week. That's not what we're talking about. But the joy of having friendship and people that sharpen you and love you and care for you, that, that, that's a beautiful thing, not something we should be jealous about. Envy is deadly because it hurts us, envy yourself. Envy is deadly because it hurts other people. Uh, envy is deadly because it leads to other sins. Leads to other sins. When you become envious, leads to other stuff. In fact, what Solomon says is do not envy the wicked. Do not desire their company. For their hearts plot violence. And their lips talk about making trouble. He said, you start envying that person who has a bunch of stuff. And when you begin to look under and you shine the light in those dark places... What you see is a person who plots violence, and what you see is a person talking trouble. You see all that they have. What about Jeffrey Epstein right now? All that money. Everybody wanted to be around Jeffrey Epstein. He had his own jets. He had his own island. He had his own penthouse. He had his own mansion. And now he has his own grave. And we look at this stuff that people have, And Solomon says, their hearts plot violence and their lips talk about making trouble. Does that mean all wealthy people are bad? Not at all. That's not what we're talking about. But he's saying, when you see what somebody else has accomplished and achieved, celebrate that. Celebrate it. Don't desire it yourself. That's when it becomes evil and that's when it becomes wicked. Envy is deadly because it will be judged by God. Envy is deadly because it hurts you. Envy is deadly because it hurts other people. Envy is deadly because it leads to other sins. Envy is deadly because it will be judged by God. It says this in, in Proverbs 3, Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways, for the Lord detests the perverse and takes the upright into his confidence. Proverbs 24, Do not fret because of evildoers. Don't be envious of the wicked, for the evildoer has no future hope, and the lamp of the wicked will be stuffed out. You see, the one thing we do have that the unbelieving world does not have is a future hope. It's a future hope. You know, as this disease spreads through my body, one of the things I'm not concerned about is eternity. And because that's been secured for me by the Lord Jesus Christ, not because of anything I've done, but because of what he's done. And and, uh, the wicked person who doesn't know Christ, the wicked person, the evildoer who doesn't know the Father, it says he has no future hope and he's going to be snuffed out. So would you rather have everything this world offers in no eternity or less of this world and what it offers in all of eternity? Is that even a choice? Is that even a choice? And so Solomon says, hey, Envy is deadly because it hurts you. Envy is deadly because it hurts others. Envy is deadly because it leads to other sins. Envy is deadly because it's going to be judged by God. So, Pastor Gary, how do we overcome envy? I mean, none of us want to be envious. I don't want to walk around being a jealous person. I don't want to walk around being an envious person. I don't want to walk around coveting what other people have. I, I don't want to covet their gifts, their abilities, their talents, their position. I don't want that. You don't want that. Let me suggest to you three ways to overcome envy and we'll stop. The first one's found in Galatians chapter five. It's not gonna be in front of you. You might wanna turn there in your Bibles, Galatians. 
Galatians chapter five, Paul is writing to the churches at Galatia. And he begins contrasting the walk in the spirit and the walk in the flesh. And he says in Galatians 5.16, I say to you, walk by the spirit and you not carry out the desires of the flesh. And then he goes on to describe what some of these deeds are. Look at verse 19. The deeds of the flesh are evident. They're immorality, impurity, sensuality. Verse 20, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Look at verse 21. What's the first word? Envying. I wish I could sing like he sang. I, I wish I could do gymnastics like she does it. I, I wish we could go where they just went. I, I wish I could drive a new whatever. And we become envious. And we covet. And we desire what somebody else has. And Paul says it's an issue of the spirit. Because he says the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22 is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, here's the difference. The difference is people who walk with Christ don't envy. There's a survey done by Forbes about 10 years ago. They entitled the article that came out of it, The Day America Told the Truth. And the question, is, the question posed to over 3,000 people was, if you were given $10 million, what would you be willing to do? What would you do for $10 million? $10 million is a lot of money. Um, 3% said they'd put their children up for adoption. 4% said it didn't matter how much money they'd get rid of many. No, I'm just... <laughs> 3% said for $10 million to put our kids up for adoption. 25% of the women said they would prostitute for a week for $10 million. Think about that, ladies. 16% um, said they'd give up their American citizenship. 24% said they would quit on the church. 25% said they would abandon their family. 7% said they would kill a stranger. 16% said they'd leave their spouse. $10 million. What if it was 50? 20? What would you be willing to do? That is a telling statement, isn't it? When we begin to read, we begin to recognize what's happening in our culture, our society, and our lives. And we recognize how awful that is because none of us want to be that person we overcome envy by walking in the spirits when D.L. Moody Dwight L. Moody came to faith in Christ he grew rather quickly and he became a uh, I, I, people wanted him to come and do conferences and to speak and he had the gift of evangelism and so whenever there was an evangelistic conference they wanted him to come and be the speaker there was a meeting of pastors. He lived in Chicago. There was a meeting of pastors in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, as the pastors met, uh, almost all of them said, we'd like D.L. Moody to be the evangelist for this week of revival that the whole community in Des Moines was going to have, all the churches coming together. After listening to this for about 30 minutes, one young preacher stood up and said with a note of sarcasm and envy, he said, from the way you talk, you'd think Mr. Moody has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. 
the room was deathly quiet. An older pastor stood up and said, young man, it's not that Mr. Moody has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on D.L. Moody. What a great statement. The Holy Spirit dominates that man's life. That's why we want him. He is yielded to the Spirit. That's why we want him to be here. Secondly, we walk in the Spirit. Secondly, if you want to overcome envy, you do it by being content in all circumstances. Being content in all circumstances. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned I can be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So as Paul writes this letter, he says, I've learned how to be content. There are times when I've had a lot of money, times I've had no money. I've learned how to be content. By the way, when Paul wrote Philippians 4, where was he writing from? That's right, from the Caribbean with a pina colada and his hand sitting on the beach. He was in prison. He says, I've learned how to be content wherever I am. He's in prison writing this. And he says, I, I'm content. I love these quotes. Uh, first one says this from C.S. Lewis. Resentment comes when we look at what others have. Contentment comes from looking at what God's given us. You see, resentment comes when we look at what somebody else has and we want it, but contentment comes when we see what God's given us. He's, he's given us eternal life. He's given us the spirit of God to live within us. He's given us eternal hope. He's given us spiritual gifts. He's given us everything we need for godliness. He's given us, I can go over and over and over. He has given us all this stuff that counts forever. How can we ask for more? It should be, thank you, Lord Jesus for all you've given me. True contentment is not having, true contentment is not in having everything, but true contentment is being satisfied with everything we have. I, I forget who put it, they put it this way, what makes you think you'd be satisfied with more when you're not satisfied with what you have? What makes you think that? Those who are content are never poor. Those who are discontent are never rich. You know people are discontent. Church never gets it right. Politicians never get it right. Teacher never gets it right. Boss never gets it right. And they're discontent about everything. Doesn't matter what it is, they're discontent. And one of the ways to overcome envy is to learn how to be content in all circumstances. Finally, by being grateful in all things. Being grateful in all things. Philippians, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5.20 says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Always in everything. I looked for loopholes in that verse. I couldn't find them. <laughs> where do you give thanks all the time? You know, as I was thinking about that this week, I have been blessed. Um, really until the last two weeks I, I've not had other than the acute pain after having procedures I've gone six years with cancer all over my body and not had pain that's a miracle that's a miracle I'm so grateful for that this week I was walking around the office saying let me tell you what God's teaching me right now he's teaching me to be so grateful because now I know what pain feels like 
And I am so grateful that I haven't had that for six years. Just so grateful. And so I look at that and recognize what a blessing it's been. What a blessing it's been. And so to him be the glory. And as, as we travel those waters, and by the way, I'm, I'm getting some meds and hopefully get some radiation to some bones that uh, have meds in them. We, we don't know what's going to happen. But when I reflect over the past couple of weeks, I am so grateful because other than this acute pain after these procedures, well, probably having a catheter in for 13 days might qualify as... <laughs> that qualifies for something. I don't know what, but... I'll look at the men and say, don't put on your bucket list flying from London to DFW wearing a catheter. That's not a good day. Um, but or to the women, too. It doesn't matter who. But recognizing we have so much to be grateful for. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks for all circumstances, for this is God's will. Hey, you want to know what God's will is for your life? You live a life giving thanks. That, that, that's his will. You live a life filled with thanksgiving. Because a heart filled with thanksgiving has no room for envy. A heart filled with thanksgiving has no room for envy. Bev wrote an article, I, I don't think it was ever published, called the Nelly Syndrome. Was it published somewhere? I can't, I can't remember. No? But you've, you've did talks, I guess. So the Nelly Syndrome, I think this is right. The first time we went to the Ukraine, one of the things that Bev noticed, they probably had at that time 40 or 50 young girls in our sister church. And one of the things Bev noticed is that none of the girls had dolls. I mean, that was a luxury they could not afford at that time. And so we said, if we ever get to go back to the Ukraine, let's bring some dolls for these little girls. Isn't that the story? And so we, we got to go back, obviously, numerous times. And uh, so the second time we went, we brought, a, I mean, just a big old duffel full of dolls so that every little girl could get a doll. And so all these girls come and they pick out a doll and, you know, they're all excited. First doll that almost all of them get. And Bev noticed that uh, there was this little girl in the corner who was crying. Her name was Nellie. And uh, we knew Nellie, we knew her family. So Bev gets Jean, our interpreter, and she said, let's go find out what's wrong with Nellie. Is that right? I've got it right so far. And so, uh, you got to be careful with your story when your wife's sitting right there, okay? <laughs> Should have asked her first. Um, but what I remember is Nellie told Jana, she said, uh, I'm grateful for the doll, but the doll I really wanted, and she pointed to another little girl, she got. Is that right? Close, close enough. Okay. Do you hear what happened there? She'd never had a doll. Then she gets a doll but she wanted that other doll. Sounds like me. Does it sound like you? Hey God, you gave them that, that gift, that whatever. What about moi? And I'm convinced when we fill our hearts with thanksgiving, there's no room for envy. The wise man, the foolish man, the sluggard, addictions, money, friendship, justice, envy, we've looked at them all this summer. And uh, when we fill our lives with thanksgiving, then we're not going to be sluggards. We're not going to be fools. We're not going to be naive. 
And we're certainly not going to be envious because we have a good God who's given us so much. Amen? Father Abraham, starting next week, we'll take a look at Abraham, do a deep dive in his life all the way up to Easter time. Let's pray. He's given you so much. Let's just stop for a moment and thank him. Pause and be quiet just for a moment. And express gratitude to the Father for all he's given us. For the gift of today, for the gift of eternal life, for the gift of your son, for the gift of your spirit, and for the gift of yourself. We say thanks. And we love you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Bless you, my friends.